Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Good afternoon, and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland, where we are devoted to conversations of consequence that help democracy thrive. It's Tuesday, March 15th. My name is Will Tarter, co-chair of the City Club of Cleveland Debate Committee, and I'd like to welcome you to today's forum. Last year, Cuyahoga County Executive Armin Budish announced that he would not run for re-election launching a race for who would be just the third person to hold the seat in the new county executive structure. Home to 1.2 million people, Cuyahoga County has a, has a rich history and is home to some of the nation's leading public, private, and nonprofit institutions. The winner of the general election will play a large role in shaping its future. Leading up to the 2022 primary election, the City Club of Cleveland will be speaking with all three candidates running for Cuyahoga County Executive. Today, we feature Democratic candidate Chris Ronane. Chris Ronane began his career in public service in 1996, serving on the Cuyahoga County Planning Commission. He also served as the City of Cleveland Planning Director, Chief Development Officer, and Chief of Staff. Most recently, Chris served as the president of University Circle Incorporated, a nonprofit community development corporation where he led the organization for 16 years. Chris earned his bachelor's degree at the Miami University School of Business Administration and a master's of urban planning from the Maxine Goodman Levin College of Urban Affairs at Cleveland State University. And today, he is here to explain his platform and why he deserves your vote. Members and friends of the City Club of Cleveland, please join me in welcoming Chris Ronane. Thank you, Will, and thank you for all your service around town. I see you every other day, it seems, out somewhere doing good work. I'm humbled by this turnout today, and I want to just thank you, friends, for being here. It truly is humbling to see this crowd of friends. And for those that we don't know each other yet, we will get to know each other. I want to specifically say to students that are here today, including my daughter, Audrey, thanks for being here uh, on your days off. It's important. <clears throat> I want to uh, start by just acknowledging two things on this really, really uh, momentous day in a couple of ways and the gravitas of the times we are in. One, today is a day of remembrance, as deemed by our city and county. In this very hour, in the 12 o'clock hour, several faith-based institutions and community leaders are gathering in memory of lives lost in Ohio and around the world in the pandemic. And they're also recognizing all survivors through these unprecedented times. Today in Cleveland, it's officially a day of remembrance and resilience. So I want to recognize the 37,410 lives lost in Ohio to the pandemic and their families. I want to also recognize the many caregiving hands across this community, the state, nation, and the world who are helping us get through. You can join our community remembrance today at 7 o'clock at Cleveland Music Hall. At 6 o'clock, 
Amber lights will adorn our bridges downtown. And if you happen to pass by, just remember in solidarity those we've lost on this day of remembrance. Second, <clears throat> speaking of solidarity, I would be entirely remiss if I didn't preface my remarks by saying that my heart, like yours, goes out to the people of Ukraine. Right now, and to our allies also throughout the world, right now they're fighting the fight that none of us ever wished to fight for their lives. I visited Ukraine Village in Parma two Sundays ago here in Cuyahoga County and met with a Northeastern Ohio resident named Alex, who told me in a pew he was born in Kyiv. My heart is with Alex today and all of Ukraine today and always while this invasion goes on and this devastation lingers. We're all a part of Ukraine. Give what you can to the humanitarian efforts if you can. Go online and find out how. Our family gave this week to the International Red Cross and to a local organization, MedWish, that's sourcing medical supplies in the region. There are countless local international organizations, local and international, lending a hand. So to our brothers and sisters of Ukraine, you are in our soul. Slava, Ukraine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back now. And at this point, my remarks seem small, but compared to what others are going through throughout the world. But I just want to give you a little bit of an insight into my story, as you need to know it, as you potentially entrust your vote in a next county executive. <clears throat> I want to go back a few years to the mid-90s, right down the street at Cleveland State, Levin College. I was a graduate student working or as a grad assistant for Professor Norman Krumholtz, who many of you remember, a former planning director, and two of my colleagues, Hunter Morrison and Fred Collier, are here today. We all succeeded Norm in equity planning. But Norm worked for Carl Stokes, worked for Dennis Kucinich, and he worked for Ralph Perk, three very different mayors. One day he invited Carl Stokes into his class, and I was a GA and got to meet the great Carl Stokes. I stopped Mayor Stokes in his tracks on his way out, couldn't miss the opportunity, and I said, Mayor, would you have coffee with a student? He said, yeah, you'll find me at Arabica most weekends, Shaker Square around 10 o'clock. So I showed up, and there he was, the great Mayor Carl Stokes. It was that conversation with Carl where my life changed. I call it the coffee with Carl. I don't remember everything that he said to me as I'm sitting in awe as a student listening to the great Mayor Carl Stokes, but I did remember his last words. His last words as he stood up with a smile, but with some ambiguity in that smile, he said, change comes in inches in this town. Change comes in inches in this town. It's a line that's motivated me ever since, and it's motivating me to run for Cuyahoga County Executive today. There is an opportunity to move this region forward together faster with trust. There are a lot of important races we all know in the state of Ohio, the governor's race, the Senate race, U.S. House seats, seats in the state house and Senate as soon as we know what the districts look like. Has that happened yet at this hour? But this race, the county executive's race, is an important race. It flies mostly below the radar. It's understandable. It's reasonably new. 
It's an office, though, that touches the lives of 1.2 million people. I argue it touches all of your lives if you live here in Cuyahoga County and probably in counties beyond. It has a constituency larger than a congressional district. It's the second largest executive job outside of Columbus. This race is really important. The county executive, simply put, is the CEO of the county. It's technically, it was defined 12 years ago by a charter that many of you probably voted in. I want to acknowledge Judy Rawson and Bruce Akers, two former mayors who were two of the original architects of the plan. Thank you, mayors, for being here, and thank you for what you've done. They had reform in their mind, and it was a bipartisan effort, and we appreciate you. Anyways, the new charter brought a new form of county government with the only other precedent being in Summit County, where there is a county executive who's been around a little longer than our county exec system. But in all 88 counties, there's only two of us with a county executive system. The position is crucial to our success. The county delivers health and human services, supports economic development and job growth, builds partnerships across this county. The citizens of Cuyahoga County deserve a leader with proven management experience, with vision, and with a record of results. I humbly assert I am that leader. So who am I? Who is Chris Ronain? It's definitely not a household political name. The guy who became the first county exec once even said to me, look, I know you're Irish, but nobody else knows you're Irish. <laughs> I actually am Irish, but happy St. Patrick's Day just the same this week. But I knew what he meant. You don't have that ballot name. So who are you? Well, I'm the son of two small business owners whose father's parting words when I left college were these. Go out and make some mistakes. Scratch my head a little bit on that, Dad. Go out and make mistakes. But what he was saying is take some risks. Be bold. And it paid off. I'm a kid whose parents also took some risks to get me to where I am. They led by example. I'm the guy who dedicates this campaign to my mother, who passed this last year, our mother, Natalie, and our family. I'm the son-in-law and stepson of two immigrants who came to this country and made a go of it. My father-in-law, Gus, here with his wife, Barbara, from Lebanon, came over as a kid and made a go of it in this country and served in public service. Thank you, Gus. And I'm the husband of Natalie Ronane and the father of Audrey and Joey and their hockey coach. I'm a friend of many in this room. Thank you, friends, because we get here together. I've worked in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors, managing, visioning, and leading to get things done, always with a team. So many of the team members out here today. In the civic space, I've worked and led on big projects in this town with a lot of you. The Lakefront Plan, Debbie Berry. The Euclid Corridor, the Opportunity Corridor. The Port of Cleveland's Cleveland Europe Express, where we finally took Cleveland across the globe. The Towpath Trail. Sometimes it's the little projects that add up to matter. In my 16 years as president of University Circle Incorporated, we implemented a vision and built a complete community. One where you can get just everything you need in your daily needs without necessarily having to drive to get there. In a 20-minute walking community that we built by design, we brought forth 2,500 homes. 
We designed new green spaces. We set up transportation. We provided free daily shuttle service. We operated a 24-7 safety department. We built small business assistance programs. We hatched a local business alliance, and we worked with more than 10,000 students each year to expand after-school programming. We created college readiness programs and internships. Great crew from College Now here. Thank you, guys. We helped seniors access the Cleveland's museum scene by digital access. If they couldn't get there, we got them there digitally before we all knew what Zoom even was. We hosted 16 summer seasons of the popular Wait Over Wednesdays free community concert series. How many of you have ever been to a WOW? All right. I'm told WOW will be back. But it's important it's the most diverse audience in Cleveland, where Cleveland can be found. Last spring, USA Today took note of University Circle's extraordinary arts scene when we earned the distinction, America's Best Arts District. That's you. That's all of you supporting it all these years. In all, we grew to a community of 50,000 workers, 10,000 residents, and 3 million visitors. 3 million visitors every year to Cleveland. Change came in big leaps, not in inches. Change came because of collaboration, leadership, and teamwork. Before UCI, I had the pleasure of working in public service at Cleveland City Hall, where I served as Cleveland Planning Director, Chief Development Officer, and the Chief of Staff. It was fun working for your daughter, Joan. Thank you, Joan Campbell, who's here today, and Penny. Thank you for being here. We had fun at City Hall. The job gave me management training, overseeing a budget in the last year in excess of a billion dollars. Tony, with the help of City Council. We had a staff of more than 5,000. As planning director, I learned the power of public involvement. In over 300 public and stakeholder engagements on just one project, we took the community to a 50-year framework plan for our lakefront. It was their plan. I got to thank Debbie Berry for sitting through all 300 of those meetings over three years. Your life is back. But thank you. And Natalie, the former parks director. We worked together. And Anne, thank you. I learned the difference between public input and public engagement during that interaction. The latter, public engagement being the true vehicle for community development. It's not just a minute at the mic. It's about true public engagement that builds. I'm going off topic and script for a minute, but I'll tell you a story about 88 acres out on the lakefront where hundreds of citizens said, we need to save this. They're birders. They wanted to see migratory birding happen. We sort of looked at first, what are you talking about? And then we learned, and we did. And now it's the Lakefront Nature Preserve, 88 acres on the lake of a wonderful public park. It's the last good walk I had with my mother. Places matter. People matter in the public planning process. Thank you. Thank you for your work. I'm running to be your next county executive because I think we can do this. We can do it better. We can do this together. My platform is simple. A healthy Cuyahoga, underline healthy, rooted in our region's two greatest strengths, healthcare and fresh water. With renewed focus, we can move from disparity to prosperity if we take an all-in approach to a healthy community. The pillars of a healthy Cuyahoga are healthy communities, a healthy economy, and a healthy government. Working together, we can realize a healthy Cuyahoga vision. It's all of us. Healthy communities have healthy people, healthy towns, and a healthy climate. Years ago, National Geographic demographers wrote a book 
called Blue Zones. They chronicled places in the world where adults were living longer, healthier lives, living into their 90s in high percentages and past 100. Why not here? Locally, my friend and former Cleveland planning director, Fred Collier, often said, our health outcomes shouldn't be determined by our zip codes. You are so right, Fred. You are so right. People are living longer in places where there is access to fresh food as a first choice, not a distant choice. Where fitness is promoted not just by fitness centers that cost money to go into, but by sidewalks and trails. It means building places of social interaction. Stadium, surround sound there. <laughs> social interaction as an antidote to isolation. More important than ever, one of the largest public health problems, according to our partners at Metro Health, promulgated by sedentary living and pandemic, is isolation, which brings on the onset of mental health challenges more and more, and addiction. We need to keep people socializing. Leads to longer living. Healthy communities address the health and human service needs of our people across the age spectrum, from infants to seniors. We all know that we have an epic problem of infant mortality in the shadow of some of the world's premier healthcare institutions. Kristen Farmer, who is here today, thank you Kristen, came to me one day while she was working at UCI and she said, I have a passion to give moms a healthier birthing experience. Nothing could be more important. I supported her notion, we talked about it. She became a civic entrepreneur and she founded Birthing Beautiful Communities building an army of doulas to support particularly black mothers. Thank you, Kristen, for that great civic idea. Thank you. It just takes ideas and support in the workplace and with bright civic entrepreneurs. I'm looking at a whole room full of them. I will invest in the BBC and other organizations to help with early stage wellness and fight against institutional racism built into our systems. If my friend Nan Whaley can deliver universal pre-K in Dayton, why not here? At UCI, we're focused on early initiatives, learning initiatives. We worked with 13 preschools in the nearby neighborhoods, working with young learners to reach a command of 500 vocabulary words by age five. And they're doing it. Why not everywhere in Cuyahoga County? Every child in our community should read for comprehension by the third grade. Organizations about town that are working on this right now. We need to support them. At the other end of the age spectrum, we must make our, sure that our seniors have access to what they need. Healthcare, transportation, and affordable housing. I will complement the Division of Senior and Adult Services with dogged attention to housing and mobility at Cuyahoga County and throughout this county. An effort will begin with advocacy and it will not end until there is access for all. To build and maintain our healthy communities, we need a healthy economy in Cuyahoga County. Workforce training and development, job access, talent retention, innovation, cultivation of small business, and growth in supplier diversity. In all of these areas, the county can and will play a larger role. We will foster and develop a Cuyahoga Works strategy around these goals. We'll work with our network of community partners, you, in the nonprofit community, in the labor community, in our primary schools, community colleges, universities, and make sure we're getting it right. Aligning our Cuyahoga work strategy to our key industries and competencies 
ultimately will translate to more people working with better paying jobs, more retention, talent, and more community wealth building. The best antidote to today's labor shortage will simply be bridging skill gaps and producing better paying jobs. I want to call out our small businesses as one of the pillars to a healthy regional economy. I also want to call out supply chain and supply diversity. I want to call out workforce development. And fourth, a unique part of our economy that not everybody has that gives us a competitive advantage, the water economy. I'm the child, as I said, of small business owners. My mother broke through a glass ceiling in her industry in the 1980s and made payroll for five employees for 35 years. Kathy Ronane represented the bread and butter of Cuyahoga County's economy. Cuyahoga County is home to more employers than any county in the state of Ohio. 31,780 employers employing 669,000 people in Cuyahoga County. In order to build off of our foundation of small business, we have to constantly ask what our small businesses need. Over 20 years ago, I did that when I worked for the county and the county commissioners back when, in better days, to pilot a division of employer resources at the Department of Development, employer resources. I went on to manage a team that covered the county calling on employers to help them address what their needs are. Training, transportation, lighting, loading docks. We built a partnership I will bring back. Economic development really isn't about landing the lion. It's much about meeting employees and employers, existing employers, where they're at, and asking them, what's it going to take so that we can all move further forward? Just yesterday, I visited a specialty box maker by an African-American CEO, owned by an African-American CEO, who's doing well by doing good at East 168th and St. Clair in the Collinwood neighborhood. Andrew often employs returning citizens at his shop, but he needs a stronger partnership in Cuyahoga County with our Justice Affairs programs. At the county, he wants to place more reentrants into his workforce. The issue came down to a more flexible work release program. I'm going to translate that for a minute because flexible work release sounds great. What he said, it was an individual who had an ankle bracelet who the authorities at the county said he needs to come back and get his bracelet checked at 2 o'clock. And the employer said, he works till 3. Can he wait an hour and work out his shift, as he wants to do? That employer ended up driving him back to county to get his bracelet checked so that he could then miss that last hour of his work shift. We can do better. We can be flexible. We can put people back on track. We will. We can solve with partnerships and have win-wins. A healthy economy means more money circulating in the local economy. When a dollar stays in the local economy, you know the impact of a multiplier effect. I plan to promote local area supply chain and supply diversity programs with all of our institutions. But take the strength of our healthcare institutions. As just one example, when three hospitals spend upwards of $5 billion annually on goods and services, we must ask ourselves, what if? What if the local spend percentage moved upward? 1% of $5 billion is $50 million in local area spend. 5% is $250 million. If you took half of that and it went to MBE suppliers, it would mean $125 million more million invested in companies owned by black and brown principals. That's moving the needle, supply chain. Thank you.
We know that our businesses need workforce talent to stay competitive and that skill creation begins with students and continues with adults looking to retool and skill up. At UCI, we worked with local employers to employ scores of summer students in Future Connections, our college career and readiness program. Youth Opportunities Unlimited, located just a few blocks from here, employs thousands of young people age 14 to 24 in the summers and year round. Good news is that YOU employs thousands. The bad news is they turn away thousands for lack of placement opportunities here in Cuyahoga County. It's not that the placement opportunities don't exist. We need communicative leadership that's opening doors. When it comes to skill building in the adult workforce, we have to get ahead of the curve. We're losing jobs to automation, which means we have to build better jobs, higher paying jobs, jobs that are attractive to persons to return to work. We must deepen our partnerships with Magnet towards employment, the AFL-CIO, Tri-C, and GCP to retool for today and tomorrow's jobs. We must maximize workforce investment dollars coming into Cuyahoga County and efficiently spend them to train and retrain workers. Finally, as we grow our local economy, I will look north to our region's greatest treasure, Lake Erie. With 90% of our domestic water supply sourced out of the Great Lakes and 20% of the world's fresh water right here, I believe we can claim the title freshwater capital. We'll wear it well. We own it. We live up to it. Back to Carl Stokes and the why. Carl Stokes stood up after the 13th River Fire and said, enough. He and his brother Lou were there at the formation of the Clean Water Act, which we just celebrated 50 years of. We went from 13 river fires on the Cuyahoga to becoming the 13th American Heritage River. We reached a clean bill of health by the US EPA, and you can now fish out of that river that burned. We have a claim on the freshwater capital. And we teach history. We teach young people to be stewards of their future. They will. Let's leverage our lake for everything from cleaner energy advances to water-dependent industry to shipping and recreation. Let's bring a freshwater institute to our shores, working with the Great Lakes Energy Institute at Case Western Reserve University. Let's have a freshwater festival with a focus on water innovation, a modern-day Great Lakes Expo. We can have fun with this. Let's bring the world to us. Let's showcase companies like the Interlake Steamship Company, located right here in Middleburg Heights, a 109-year-old Cuyahoga County company that owns a ferry service line in the New York Harbor and owns ferry services across the Great Lakes. And they're building a new ship at the Sturgeon Bay today on Lake Michigan as we speak. Spoke with an engineer last night who lives in Cleveland, living a lot of his days right now in Sturgeon Bay, designing that ship, overseeing the project. Straight out of CLE, who knew? Who knew? They were there for the original Great Lakes Expo, 109-year-old company. They can be there again to talk about what they're doing at the next Water Innovation Expo. As a freshwater capital, we can make this county the most sustainable and habitable place in the United States, in the globe. After all, 1,246 square miles of Cuyahoga County, only 457 of those miles are land. Nearly two-thirds of Cuyahoga County is actually water. None of this agenda is possible without an effective, transparent government. It's time we build a smart government, a communicative government, a data-informed government that's a national showcase. I want to speak directly to the workers of Cuyahoga County. You matter. As your next county executive, I look forward to working with you. I'm a team builder that will build people up, not tear them down. 
My father-in-law spent 35 years in county service. Thank you, Gus. It's a laudable profession. And I want to say that to our county workers. Talented team members who've gotten things done. I've been lucky to surround myself around talented people at UCI, at city planning, at the county itself. We build partnerships together. It's never I, it's always we. I say to the workforce of Cuyahoga County, we can do this. We can leverage Cuyahoga County's true potential and a better future. A healthy government must be a convener. Opportunities for greater shared service exist, and they especially need to be explored in our most fiscally distressed communities. A municipal fire chief said to me recently when I had breakfast with him, we don't need two ladder trucks, each costing more than a half a million dollars in neighboring communities within a mile of one another. It's what we originally aspired to, right, Judy? Right, Bruce? That's what it was all about in terms of county reform, working together. Told the chief, let's work together in partnerships to lower costs and sure, make sure that we ensure we save lives. A healthy government brings government to the people, not just people to the government. Not everybody wants to travel around the corner to the glass building on 9th Street. They want it in their neighborhoods. I planned a team with local nonprofits. I was out with the food bank last week talking about the possibility of caseworkers on site. When somebody comes to the food bank and food insecurity is their first problem and housing insecurity is their second. We ought to be a resource referral on site with a county government that's in community. A healthy government thinks about how people navigate our system. I plan to build back up the county ombudsman's office to help people navigate. We'll also create a justice expediter. Imagine your worst nightmare. Somebody in your family ends up in the incarceration of our jail system and you can't even find them. We need to have navigators in county government. A healthy government needs to prioritize equity and justice. Our justice system needs to be about more than just a jail. In this very room, I heard a former county jail consultant say that the jail currently being proposed is too big for our actual needs. I will work with the county council to get it right. When there's an incident in our community, I want an informed incident response team that identifies problems and their solutions on site at the moment of incident. Yes, we need adequate jail beds, but we also need treatment beds. We need to fully utilize our diversion center with full staff support. We need a centralized booking system that works, and we need bail reform now. A healthy government is enhanced by special initiatives. I'm pledging a special initiative for transportation and for housing. It's going to start with advocates in our system, with housing affordability and greater transportation being our goal. We did it at UCI. We hired a single transportation advocate that led to big things about people and their mobility choices expanding. Finally, and maybe most importantly, I'll leave you with these closing thoughts. We need to restore confidence in Cuyahoga County. We can. We will. We can get our county on the right path to be a more vibrant, safe, and economically strong place to live. Think about that. We need to. We can. We have all the assets to do it. We can reform our reputation and become a reliable, transparent government that protects people and works hard on their behalf. We can become a county that's collaborative and removes barriers to ensure services are strong. With the right leadership in place, we can create a vision and a goal and achieve it together. In Pittsburgh, they leveraged robotics and got Google. In Columbus, it was innovation to Intel. In Indianapolis, it was a focus on amateur sports that 
landed the NCAA. March Madness week. In Cincinnati, they reached the Ohio River. In all of those cases, leadership made a difference. County officials, mayors working with citizens, labor, businesses, universities, public-private partnerships where leaders lead. But the one thing that none of those leading regions have is what we have, the world's greatest body of fresh water at our front door, the Great Lakes, the Lake Erie Shores, the big next. If we work on it, it's just one of the big ideas that we leverage for a vibrant future. In the next county government, the sum of the parts will no longer be greater than the whole. With leadership, we will fully leverage who we are as a region, a freshwater community, a world healthcare hub, a nationally recognized arts community and parks community, a globally unique university community, manufacturing in our DNA. And we will think big to deliver the new Cuyahoga, a healthy Cuyahoga. We can and we must think big. Not doing so is the only thing that's ever held us back. And those days are behind us. Here's to our future together. Thank you. We're about to begin the audience Q&A. We welcome questions from everyone, City Club members, guests, and those of you joining us via our live stream at cityclub.org. If you're here in person, please raise your hand and remain seated until a staff member indicates it's your turn to step up to the microphone. Our live stream viewers can tweet questions at the City Club or text them to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. Nine, four, and our staff will try to work it into the program. May we have the first question, please? Hi, our first question is one of the uh, questions that was texted in. Um, so there have been several recent deaths of vulnerable children in Cuyahoga County custody and continuing critical shortage of trained social workers to monitor and improve local child safety. What will your administration do to strengthen the staffing and provide more accountability of the Division of Children's Services? Thank you very much for the question. For children and adults, I come back to making sure we're supporting our caseworkers. I keep hearing about capacity issues, yet there's no shortage of funds flow through this community now, and our frontline caseworkers are of utmost importance. We have to think of a caseworker like we think of a teacher. You know the ratio, 15 to one. I'm a coach. I can't handle more than 12 or 15 kids on the ice. Caseworkers are receiving triple, quadruple that load. So it pulls them away from the proximity of the families that they're serving. So I would first focus on an audit of our caseworkers, their case load, and then any other needs analysis that interviews a parent, that interviews a caregiver, that interviews an intermediary, that interviews a child to learn where we need to do better. But my instincts are it's a matter of capacity and we need to address it now. 
Yes, what would you do to make Cuyahoga County a more welcoming place for immigrants and refugees? Thank you, Michael. I want to acknowledge the many mayors and council members around uh, the room today. I see Mayor George, thank you for being here. Councilperson Ryan, Councilman Litton, many, uh, I, I'm going to get in trouble because I'm not looking fast enough at all the mayors and council members that are here, but thank you all of you who are here today. Eric Wobster, Sandusky City Manager. I, I bring you up because in the context of that question, you are our gateway. Are our communities welcoming places for immigrants? Remember, I tell you about my father-in-law who came from Lebanon in his late teens, found a welcoming United States. <laughs> Will we be a welcoming community when it comes to housing support, education support, language support? The litmus test will be how upon arrival we treat our newcomers because somewhere in our generations, we were all newcomers. I'm very committed to this. As far as our work in University Circle, we made it intentional to make sure that our signage carried multiple language, that everything, and I mean, today, folks, we've got to translate government services in multiple languages. One of the ways to answer your question, Michael. You know, look, I look to the city of Toronto, and I look at a city that built its city by global newcomers. No reason, other side of the ponds, twice over, we can be that community, we can. Working with the organizations that work on this and the work over at Refugee Gardens, there's so many portals in and there's so many people wanting to help. Leadership sets the stage and the table on this. We set it. If we're welcoming, I will be. I wanna see Cuyahoga County be a mecca for internationals coming to Cleveland, placing their flag, rooting, working. We build our economy off of that. It's what we did for generations. So it starts with leadership, being a voice, and working with their intermediaries to make sure people have the immediate needs they, they, they can get service so that they can stay. Let's do this. Thank you. Hi, Chris. Pete Fanlier Pete. with Policy Matters. I, um, I appreciate your comments on bail reform and the jail and um, diversion center, things like that around the criminal legal system. So in that context, you know, the Cleveland Division of Police is getting a lot of attention with the consent decree in issue 24, but there are in fact dozens of other police departments, including in Cleveland as well as the county. How do you see your role, the role of the county, and what would you do to really transform the police response for people in need, you know, emergency calls and that kind of thing. What would you do with that? Yeah, thank you, Pete. And Pete's one of the people, like so many of you, that's just a resource on a lot of issues, offered already that to me, and I appreciate that. Um, I think we follow good models. Um, let me just use one as an example. Uh, in Shaker Heights, they have moved into a mode of making sure that a care team approach is applied and that where appropriate, a mental health worker is on site with an officer, um, because I can tell you firsthand about officers that didn't know which resources to use and where those resources were. So before we put the finger at them, let's talk about actually creating service resources for them, like they're doing in Shaker Heights. Pete, I bring that up as one example for a study on how it's going, and if it's a great practice, then let's replicate it throughout county. My instincts, although I need to learn more, is that 
many of our offenses, as we call them out in the community, can be addressed in a way that isn't bringing somebody to a central jail, and that the problems really begin when there's a misdirection of a person who need not be in that jail, when they're ripped from their families, when they've lost their job access. So many that are there today don't need to be there. So this combination of centralized booking, bail reform, incident response with a care team that's full of resources, I think really matters. And I'm a big believer that we study a best practice right here in the field and we see if it's something we should replicate. Thanks. Council President, you're one of the examples of people I forgot. Thanks for being here from North yes, Royalton. Yes. Paul Marnicek. Thank you, thank you. Um, so quick question for you, sir. You've mentioned economic development a few times and you've mentioned public transportation a few times. How would you bring the two together? What, what's your vision for public transportation? Because I think I've actually heard you describe yeah. it's really good at getting you to Cleveland. Yeah. But if you need, if you live and work somewhere that doesn't take you through Cleveland, public transportation can pose some challenges. Yes. Years ago, when I worked at the county, we talked in that division of employer resources about what the real barriers were. And employers would say, workforce training, need a little skill development, transportation, and proximate daycare. So we started working on those. And I don't see why we don't return to that. Let me say two things about transit. We have a whole forum, I think you have, Dan, uh, on transit with General Manager India uh, Birdsong. I believe that we need to change the narrative. And that narrative needs to be about mobility. I remember going down to the state legislature and meeting a state representative who stopped me in my tracks as I was seeking transportation funding at University Circle, and he said, need more badges, not more buses. I thought, you know, dude, you just don't get it, you know? <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Representative. None of that is mutually exclusive, but the reality is we need mobility. So if you drilled it down with that person, does your aunt drive? Do you live in Chillicothe, Ohio? Uh, can they get around in their communities? We're warehousing seniors, frankly, because we're not providing enough transportation. Now, I know you linked it to economic development, so let me briefly say, there need not be any barrier to a robust workforce. And we know that whether it's Amazon HQ or whether it's any of our smaller or mid-sized businesses, they're looking to expand transportation mobility to their workforce, that that is not a barrier. We also know that trends are such that younger generations don't want to spend every waking hour outside of home and work in their automobile. And we want an automobile. Let's look at multimodal choices. That's why I want a division of transportation to link it to everything from economic development to senior services. Thank you. Critical part of our economic infrastructure. Thank you very much for your inspired vision. Um, I wanted to get back to the thorny issue of the jail. Um, are you convinced that we really need a new jail, given that a lot of the problems uh, don't seem to be about the physical plant itself, but other issues? And do you believe that the decision about the jail should be made by the new administration, not now? I will say I have yet to be convinced because I believe there's more information to be conveyed. 
And I say that and choose those words somewhat carefully because I think that this is a matter where I can't say to you right here from this podium today, yes, let's build anew. I can't say that because I haven't seen probably what you haven't seen, which is enough information as evidence to the facts. Now, a few of you have sat down and talked to me about merits and the case for support, and I appreciate that because that's all I have right now. But what I want to see and what I commit to you is that if we have the chance, to your second question, if the decision is not made, that all of that information will be faithfully conveyed to the taxpayers, to you, the residents, constituents of Cuyahoga County. So we make a decision together. Thank you very much. I'm Leslie Unger, <coughs> Akron. When I go back to Akron and I say that I was here to hear, you know, the candidate for commissioner, they're going to ask me why. Why did I come? And I think that's a bigger question. You alluded to it, but I wonder if you could answer it more directly, whether it's Akron or anywhere outside of, of Cuyahoga County. Why does who is commissioner matter to Northeast Ohio and beyond? Because first and foremost, our region is Cleveland, Akron, and beyond. Our Great Lakes as a strategy is a regional strategy. Our economic development is a regional strategy. It's a multi-county strategy. Our transportation, our air, airport um, service is a regional. It's all, um, all these things, workforce, infrastructure, transportation, regional. So I've taken the time to speak with the Summit County Executive, Eileen Shapiro, and I'm glad she gave me the time to talk about the job. And I actually talked to her predecessor uh, a while ago about this. It's all about getting ready for this job since we hatched county reform. So why it matters is we're a regional network of all the aforementioned. And uh, when I mentioned those 669,000 workers working for 31,000 employers in Cuyahoga County, we can be darn sure a lot of them are coming from Summit County. So the infrastructure matters, the safety matters, the vitality matters across county lines, right? It's only a geopolitical map that delineates county lines. Economies don't think about county lines. Environments don't think about county lines. So let's think together about our regional future. Thank you. Wow, Tom. Mr. Rodin, good to see you. Um, good to see when you. When the uh, original Medical Mart, don't call it the Medical Mart, but when the Medical Mart was built, you were originally publicly very supportive of it. I mean, one comment I think that I extracted from an old Cleveland.com story, it speaks to who we are and where we're going. Well, obviously, fast forward now to a more disappointing reality here. Uh, do you believe millions more should be spent to repurpose it and have it be complementary to the existing convention center? Do you have another specific idea for how it could be valuable and productive? And lastly, should the sales tax that was enacted to build it, uh, should it uh, maintain and stay in place forever to build other brick and mortar projects or should it possibly be repealed? When we were in the Red Room at Mayor's City Hall, Joan, there were no softballs thrown by Tom Barris nor Mike Tobin. Uh, nice to see both of you. So to your, to your point in question, and uh, Tom, thanks for your career in uh, the media and it's proud to see your Lakeside Avenue, Tom Barris way. Uh, thank you. So let me first put context to this quickly. We're talking about the facility located adjacent the Huntington Convention Center. 
We're talking about a facility that was built as uh, the Global Health Innovation Center. We uh, are talking about a facility that's connected to the Hilton Hotel and the Huntington Center. In my administration, I will do everything but sell that facility in a fire sale. I believe it's a part of the public, public infrastructure and it's an asset worth keeping. Here's why. It's a part of a convention district, which may or may not sound important. But when you peel back the fact that the hospitality industry is among the top five industries in this county, that workers in your neighborhood, in your community, work in industry dependent on the convention district, that's why I won't sell it off in a New York minute. It's been said, it's been said by others. I don't see it. I see repurposing being a fact of everyday life. We repurpose buildings all the time downtown. The industry is telling us now that more meeting space is needed, that the convention industries, if you're going to a convention, it's likely you're gonna be in smaller meeting spaces, you're gonna be in not the big plenary ballroom, but you're actually gonna be meeting in focus groups with your industry clusters. So we actually have a deficiency in meeting space. And I believe that building, better than its current service today, as a bullpen for those awaiting jury duty, as I sat there thinking about what a bad use, but I, as a jur jury duty uh, person who was called this during this campaign, I do think it's got a future as a part of a convention district that's a part of travel and tourism, that if nothing else is a part of the economy that's growing and persons in your neighborhoods and your communities who work there. This is ultimately a facility that will be about jobs. I wouldn't sell it. Thank you. Follow up the sales tax question. Should the sales tax remain you, in place? You call, you're the moderate. Okay. okay. For Mr. Barris, he does have a street named after him. Tom Barris Way, Lakeside Avenue, he's 14. <laughs> Tom, thank you. On, on the sales tax, again, put it in context. There is a quarter penny sales tax that was expended and is set to sunset in the not too distant future that was utilized for that facility. I believe where you were going with that is that it's been proposed as one source for expansion, actually to become permanent part of our sales tax, which would keep us at 8% sales tax in order to pay for the $500 million proposed jail and probably another 500 on uh, courts and ancillary services as a part of the Justice Center. That billion dollars, the claim is to potentially use that quarter penny for that purpose. As I said in a previous question, because not all the information is in front of any of us, I'm not yet convinced on the spend nor on that particular source. Inflation's going up, people are hurting, we need to be real careful about permanent sales tax on a billion dollar spend, given the context of the climate we're in. We need to have a conversation with the people. If given the chance, if it isn't locked in, by the time a next county exec takes office January of 23, I'll open up the conversation. Thank you. Chris. Can you expound on those Northeast Ohio attributes that you've mentioned that make us a player on a global economic market, if you believe such? Yes, thanks, Eduardo. Um, a few things. One, 
Manufacturing can't be talked enough about in this community. It is truly the lifeblood of our economy, um, has been, still is. And we are a place that makes things. We're a maker's space. I think the idea of onshoring, and we're seeing all the reasons why right before our eyes in the pandemic, the difficulty of getting medicine because it isn't locally produced, domestically produced, the difficulty of getting supplies in the medical industry that are needed that could be produced here and right here in Cuyahoga County. We found a crisis right before our eyes when we had a shortage of products that we needed. We can onshore right back to Northeast Ohio that makes things. It has the Cleveland Institute of Art that designs to make things. So I would celebrate manufacturing as one of uh, the answers. I've mentioned the waterfronts, arts, culture. I've mentioned parks. I don't think we can say enough about the healthcare industry. I'm rattling off the second largest industry after manufacturing because there's growth potential. We are a great patient care provider with some notable disparity in how we provide, but we are also a place that can unleash innovation if we unleash it, if we commercialize the ideas that are in the heads of the docs and the researchers and get it out of the gummy system of tech transfer, we can be a true hub as a medical innovation economy alongside being a great patient care economy. So that's the second one I would cite. And the third, I've already said, I don't think we've unleashed the potential of these great lakes right at our doorstep to look at a waterborne economy. Um, it's here, it's latent. We need to grow it, and we need to also grow it in energy, climate, being better stewards, making things. If we're gonna talk turbines, let's talk about producing them. Let's talk about the core competencies in manufacturing. So I think manufacturing, healthcare, and the water economy are where it's at in terms of core attributes. Thank you. Hello, I'm here with another text question. Cuyahoga County is a great place. Our state government is passing new state laws that do not benefit citizens of Cuyahoga County. Many of these laws are pro-gun, anti-immigrant, anti-LGBTQ+, and jeopardize voting rights. How would you work with state political leaders to ensure our voices are heard at the state level? Absolutely right. There's a disconnect between the state of Ohio, downstate Columbus legislators, and Northeast Ohio. First of all, we've got to find ways to establish some common ground, meet people where they're at, but we need to showcase what our community values. And you mentioned a few things that I think run cross-current to our community values, dare I say. We're a polyculture of a lot of opinions. But I was speaking with a person on the way in today who's with Moms Demand Action. And I told her the story of an experience I had going out from City Hall as Mayor Campbell's Chief of Staff to the Lonnie Burton Rec Center to the scene of a child who'd been shot at age 13, the same age as my daughter, died in front of a rec center, had no, nothing, no weaponry on them. Then Council President Jackson and I stood over a pool of blood. Brandon Davis, age 13, I'll never forget it. And every time a legislator says, you need to have the right to come in this building with a gun in your pocket with no training, and no registration of, of, of any significance, I think of Brandon Davis. I think of the disconnect about raging gun violence in our community. Not the fault of children, by the way, a result of a society that failed children. 
But are legislators in the state of Ohio doing any better to help that child by enabling the easy access to guns without any permits? Police will tell you it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. It's just one example. But to the question, we have got to show why. We can't assume they're going to fall out of bed and say, oh, this is the right thing to do, a better way to go. We need to show why. We need to bring our case for support. We need to bring Brandon Davis to the state government. Talk about not here. Not every place is a one-size-fits-all. I spoke with a young lady who mentored or interned in our office at UCI last summer. I had an exit interview. They end up mentoring you, by the way. And I said, what do you think the issues are here in Ohio? And she said, in my neighborhood at Central and 38th, it's domestic violence, mental health, and gun violence. She went on to Miami of Ohio. I called her in the fall, my alma mater, and I said, how's it going? She said, it's going, but I, I lost my uncle this weekend. I never knew. She never said she was the mayor's niece. It was Frank Q. Jackson, lost to gun violence. I remember what she told me in our UCI office conference room. She said, the state seems to think that every community is one size fits all. It's not in my community. What a prescient 18-year-old kid on her way to college, but then had to go back and deal with the fact that the state doesn't get it. I'm sorry, I'm raging against the state, but what I will promise you is communication and showing the case for support. I want to be your next county executive. I hope you'll consider me, because I think I'm getting the hook. I'm really glad you were here today. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Today at the City Club, we have been listening to the first of three forums leading up to the 2022 primary elections featuring candidates for Cuyahoga County Executive. We would like to welcome guests at tables hosted by Chris Ronane for County Executive, College Now Greater Cleveland, Friends of Tony Brancatelli, Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District, Fast Star, and Strategy Design Partners. Thank you all for being with us today. This Friday, March 18th, we'll be joined by Sonia Agarwal, the Senior Advisor for Climate Policy and Innovation at the White House Office of Domestic Climate Policy. She will talk about the latest strategies and policies to combat climate change. And next week, the City Club will host the remaining two Cuyahoga County Executive candidates. Lee Weingart will join us on Wednesday, March 23rd, and Tariq Shabazz on Thursday, March 24th. On Friday, April 8th, we will also host Nina Turner, Democratic candidate for Ohio's District 11. You can purchase tickets to all of these forums and learn more about other forums at cityclub.org. And that brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you, Chris Ronane, and thank you, members and friends of the City Club. I'm Will Tarter, and this forum is now adjourned. <laughs> <laughs>